Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. This is an Irish independent podcast. Beware, I think, the, the kind of wounded wallaby as such. I think expected to bounce back a little bit on the weekend and really put up a good fight to Ireland, I think. It's very difficult to get away from the narrative that when Johnny Sexton isn't there, there is a there is a drop-off. Now, I think, you know, that's not just on Joey Carberry. I think it's on all the other players around him. You know, we haven't always been that great at delivering, uh, I think, when the, when the, the expectation is high for us. So, big challenge for us on, on a few different fronts. Ireland made it two wins from two in the autumn series on Saturday, but the victory over Fiji left plenty of room for improvement ahead of the visit of Australia for the final November test this weekend. Welcome to the left wing. Will Slattery here with you, and I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald and Keen Tracy to look back, look forward, and look at all the stuff in between as well. And Keen, I know you were on Ireland duty today, so you've had a chance to talk to some of the coaches and the players, reflect on the Fiji game and look ahead, but we might stick to, to Fiji for the moment. Did you think the performance was as mediocre as Andy Farrell kind of said in his post-match comments? I did. I really liked his post-match comments, his whole kind of attitude towards it. Like, Because to be fair, there were plenty of excuses that he could have looked for. One o'clock kickoff, he made plenty of changes. You know, no Johnny Sexton, which there's always going to be some dip when he's not playing. But to be fair, he didn't He didn't look for, for any excuses at all. And I think... I think, you know, we've certainly and I've certainly praised Andy Farrell a lot for, you know, the feel good nature that he's kind of created within the squad, which we know now like wasn't a facade that it genuinely was. But I think we're seeing seeing more of his ruthless side um, this month, which is no bad thing at all. Um, I think his selection for the Fiji game told us that a lot of guys left out in the cold after that Ireland A game who would have definitely been expecting to get game time against Fiji and then yeah like coming in after the press conference after the game into the press conference and saying that it's not good enough I think would have sent a rocket to some lads as well who you know they've got to understand I suppose that every chance they get from now until the World Cup you just have to take it and kind of mediocre run of the mill performances just aren't going to be good enough and I think you know it'll be we're, we're you know you're going to know what the team is going to be this weekend because it sounds like the injuries are all clearing up but for certain guys I think they've kind of really done themselves a disservice I think this month because I think the gap is going to slightly widen between you know the second string third string and the first string uh, which is not a great thing because I would have said in New Zealand particularly after the second Maori game that the squad depth was in a really good place but I think after this month because we're unlikely to see many of the fringe guys obviously you'll see one or two um, in the Australia game this weekend so um, my concern I think by the end of the month would be that maybe the depth isn't as in as good place as we might have thought at the start of the month. Just on the comments, Luke, you know, put yourself in that Ireland dressing room. Do you kind of, if you're a player there, are you kind of like, okay, the coach has a point, fair play for them for kind of stating it? Or are you thinking, well, I'd actually prefer if he maybe put on a bit of more of a different kind of public persona and then came into the dressing room and, and gave it to us with both barrels? What way would you be looking at that as a player? 
Uh, you know, I was probably less concerned with how things were being presented outside, provided someone wasn't like given inside information or um, being overly critical of maybe an individual. I, I you know, I always find like those kind of things are are probably my red lines for communication with people outside the team. Um, but no, as far as being honest with the performance as a team, I think, uh, yeah, I think he was dead right. I think, um, you know, I think it's very refreshing for us. I think for the players, I think they'll probably ignore it, to be honest with you. They'll be more in- interested in the real um the real assessment of the game that happens kind of on the on the Monday and Tuesday will I think that'll be far more telling for them and it'll give them way more of an indication as to where they stand with the coach so um uh yeah that's generally the player's point of view I think uh, certainly when I was playing and uh, certainly reflective of of how I felt about those kind of things um it might be different now people you know players do seem to be a little bit more conscious of the media seem to be interacting a bit more you know social media would probably mean that uh you know most guys um probably would see the comments so i'm not sure if it has a bigger effect will um but um yeah it was like look i think there was um it's always tricky when you change lots of combinations in key positions and i think that's important to i think it's probably important to keep that in mind when you are assessing something like this i think you're always better off bringing in a couple of party a couple of bodies uh, versus you know kind of making quite quite so quite so many changes you know it just it does make it tricky Keen, you know one aspect of the performance that did get a lot of attention i suppose was joey carby's performance before he went off you know obviously the injury was very unfortunate and he's had a terrible run in, in that regard but what did you make of how he was running the team before he picked up that injury uh, I thought he did okay. Um, I would agree with Luke, and I'm certainly not, you know, going to town on it either. I just think there probably weren't as many changes as certainly I was expecting at the start of the window. I thought there'd be a lot more changes, and I that goes back to my earlier point. I think Andy Farrell was making a point to certain guys by not picking them and picking senior guys who you would have thought really didn't need a game like that, like Caelan Doris, like Dan Sheehan. When you think about the amount of punishment that they gave and dished out against the Springboks I was surprised to see them evolve but again I think he was sending a message to guys but I thought Joey Carberry did did okay um I think at this stage you'd like to see a little bit more than than decent um you know I don't know if that's just because there's so much goodwill behind the guy and then he picks up another injury and you know it's kind of the same old story unfortunately with him but he did okay I think I'd like to have seen him be a bit more assertive and kind of grab the the, the game by the scruff because you know, it's it's very difficult to get away from the narrative that when Johnny Sexton isn't there, there is a there is a drop off. Now, I think you know that's not just on Joey Carberry. I think it's on all the other players around him. But there was there were flashes, but I don't think you could say the attack flowed all that well at all. Um, it really, was the mall that was causing a lot of the damage, and it was Fiji's attack that looked far more promising. So um, they go to the I, mall too much, Keen. Like that's something that I like, you know a lot of my friends were kind of anecdotally saying to me that they thought like. They should have kind of used the attack more or given Cabri more of an opportunity to kind of bet in in that attack rather than, even though the mall was being really successful, kind of going to it so often. Is that a fair criticism, do you think? Yeah, like it is a tough one because you'd imagine, you know, that was the type of game where you'd like to have seen a bit more creativity. But to be fair, Fiji are bloody tough and they come off the line, not always legally, it must be said, um, as Joey Carberry found out, um, even though Vern Cotter somehow disagreed that that was a red card, which I thought was bordering on a disgrace really that a head coach came out and said that in this current climate but yeah like i would have liked to have seen more will for sure um the mall is has become i think back in fashion for a while it ireland had kind of gone away for it for whatever reason but i think paul o'connell has been 
a big kind of reason for that and we saw how effective it was in the summer as well so it's good to see that the mall is kind of back i think we've made this point on the pod before that you know it's great that ireland are playing this kind of new style but it's important that they also kind of you know stick to what served them well over the years as well and the mall has definitely been something like that i suppose the the criticism maybe that your mates and stuff are talking about and i would probably agree stems from the fact that is your mall always going to be, you know, as reliable against the bigger teams? But to be fair, they scored a mall try against South Africa as well the week before. So it's interesting. Against New Zealand too. Against New Zealand as well, yeah, for sure. So I think it's encouraging that the mall is going so well. But absolutely, I think we'd like to see more from the attack. We'd like to have seen more from Joey Carberry. And it's going to be interesting now to see kind of what happens. You know, Jack Crowley, it looks like, is going to be on the bench this weekend. And I know, I think... I. He he did well when he came on, but I feel like people are kind of getting ahead of themselves again here because here we have another out half. It just kind of reminds me of Harry Byrne all over again, even though Crowley does look like he's full of potential and really exciting and all the things you hear about him from the players and the coaches is really encouraging. But you'd like to kind of temper those expectations as well, because let's say if he was to come on early in the game on Saturday and if it wasn't to go well, then the narrative switches all of a sudden. He's a young guy making his way. But um, yeah, just to go back to round after point, I thought Joey Carberry did well, but I would have liked to have seen more than decent in, in that kind of game, to be honest. Yeah, it's funny now what we've gone through. Ross Byrne, Jack Carty, Harry Byrne, Billy Burns, Kieran Frawley. Now on to Jack Crowley. Just on to the next one, and then we can build them, build them up again. Look, it's an interesting one though. You know about what way Ireland should have gone about their business against Fiji. Keane made the point there about the attack on the mob because you know, I know Vern Cotter said in the build up, "Oh, like Ireland are treating this as a training session." And I suppose if you're to insist that Ireland just constantly go away from the mall and like try to go through their attacking, you know, phase play with Carberry to get him a feel for it. That it maybe does fall into the training session realm of it or treating the game more of a training session than an actual test match, which is there to be won. And if the mall is a good weapon to to build a score, maybe you have an argument to, to go there. What way do you kind of look at how they went about their business? Yeah, look, I think it's probably just in terms of the mall. I think it's, you know, it's not always about size with it, I think, as well. And strength, I think a really organized uh, mall is very, very dangerous. And I think, it, you know, we have a very good line out. And I think Paul has made a big difference to that. Um, so, you know, I think it's a really good weapon. I think, you know, I think any team can have a really good weapon if, if it's well organized. And it's really, really hard to stop. When you look at the amount of, of tries that come from malls, like I'd say, I'd say it's quite a high proportion of, of tries in definitely in internationals but certainly in other games too um you know do come from it so it's a really it's a, it's important to be good at that part of the game um and in terms of ireland i would agree i think uh I, sorry i'd agree at the point you're trying to get at maybe i might phrase it differently like i think sometimes you can you can get caught playing a game that suits the opposition when really like i think you're always conscious when you're playing the uh pacific island teams that you don't want to get drawn into like a really open game. I think that probably plays to their strengths a little bit more, you know, that kind of sevens play. They've got brilliant athletes, as we saw on a couple of occasions, uh, you know, when they make a break, you know, very hard to recover and they flood through well and they're fit and strong and generally very quick. So, uh, you know, once they're through, it's really hard to stop them. So I think, Maybe that felt maybe that kind of fed into that a little bit that they were thinking, okay, well, let's earn the right to go around them. Let's 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 tire their forwards out in in the mall, um, let's so- soften them up a bit there. Maybe get a few penalties, you know. Obviously, hopefully, get a few tries, um, and maybe that'll then allow us probably to, um, I think, uh, go to that more kind of expansive game plan that we maybe have gotten a little bit more used to these days. Um, and I think that, oh, by the way, I do think that still would work against Fiji, but I do think that there's probably, that that may have tilted the strategy a bit more towards 
making sure that they they kind of earned that right will, if you like, to go around them. And that was maybe through malls and being a bit more direct. And um, lots of times when I've played teams like that, um, that's been the instruction from from good coaches. And I think it generally serves you well. And look, they did win this game. Let's, let's not get away from that as well. You know, I think after a big one uh, against South Africa as well, I think there's probably something to be said for that. I don't think there's any harm in having, um, you know, performances or games like this as well in terms of the bigger picture. Because if we're looking at from now until the World Cup, where like the players are framing it like that, obviously the Six Nations will be massive. But not everything is going to be perfect from here until by the time they play the first game in France. So I think, you know, a glass half full approach would suggest that there's nothing wrong with finding out, you know, different things against Fiji. Because if Ireland had put 50 points, 60 points in Fiji, we'd be on here going, well, they didn't really learn anything about themselves because Fiji were useless and that wasn't the case last weekend so um, even though I'm kind of I wouldn't say negative I just think that the performance as Andy Farrell said himself was underwhelming but in the bigger the bigger picture sort of stuff uh, I don't think that's any bad thing either yeah and it's interesting like the Andy Farrell you know might be picking his battles as well in the sense that like this is a good game for him maybe to read the maybe not the riot act but you know go to the media and be like very poor performance because say if you think back to say the first test in New Zealand where we all thought, you know, those 20 minutes where Ireland were really, really poor, and we kind of came in very negative afterwards. But he was kind of still really positive, and, you know, that he wasn't throwing them under the bus that day. But whereas this one, after beating Fiji, he's in a position of strength, and he can kind of maybe come in and, you know, give out to guys. But at the same time, the team still won. They're still in a good place heading into Australia at the weekend. Luke, what did you make of Jack Crowley? Like, he touched on him there. Like, he is kind of... It's funny how much we want another out half to emerge that we are kind of people saying, oh, he should start against Australia. Like he should j- keep Sexton on ice on the bench. But he did, he did look sharp. Like it, it is a, a huge rise for him considering he was behind Ben Healy and Joey Carey at the start of the season at Munster. And now he's, you know, potentially involved in a really big game against Australia. Yeah, he looks like he's their best option there. And it sounds like he'd probably get quite a lot of time there now if Joey's out. But uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Um it's important that he does that. Like, look, it's the same thing. Like, we have a serious issue with people being fit, and also with a qual- you know probably quality, like just the differential between Sexton and the next person. But, um, you know, even our best guys, I who I would consider the like, I, I you know, Frawley and 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 um, Carberry seem to be the kind of standouts, but they're so injury prone. Like, they just cannot get a good run of form. So it's very worrying. I, I think, like, if you were looking at at this team, it's where a huge amount of the risk of them not performing resides. Is you know, can, you know, a 38-year-old kind of put together kind of five or six games in a row. I, I'm actually not opposed. I, w- I would be actually in favour of maybe giving Crowley a go. I think it'd be good to see him start again, start an international match. I see, like, I don't see why not. Like, there's literally nothing riding on this at all. And I think um, playing against a top-quality opposition will tell you a lot more about him um, than, um, you know, they're coming off the bench if they're winning the game or if they're comfortable. Um, and actually, Aussie are still a very big, like, they're still a, a great test. They're very competitive. We saw what they did against France. So, um yeah, no, I'd be pushing to, to get him in as well. And look, it looks like Sexton might be out. I, I don't know, Keane probably has a bit more insight into that. Uh, maybe he will make it, but there's a few injuries there. And um, I'd like to see him maybe with a more kind of full complement around him as such um, and see how he gets on. I think that'd be a, a really good... We can, like I'd rather know a little bit more about him than uh, at this stage than having to find out it, like in some of the, the warm-up friendlies before the World Cup will. So I think there's real value in... in, in, in um, in playing someone like him in, in, against Australia. 
Yeah, just to come in before you come in, Keen. Like you know, at the start of the, the the window, I asked my favorite question about how many games should Johnny Sexton start, and we were in agreement that probably the South Africa game will be just the best, and then maybe explore their options. And I'd agree with Luke. It's probably more critical now to explore options given the injury prone nature of Carberry and Frawley. Like I, I know Rudd was writing about Jack Crowley today and saying that maybe it's a, a kind of a step up too much to put him straight into the starting team against uh, Australia, like. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree that, you know, it'd be interesting to see Jack Crowley get a start against Australia this weekend. But and I and I think it's worth mentioning as well that obviously it's been a mad rise for him over the last kind of, you know, few months, not even a year. But I think if the Munster coaching staff that are in place now had been in place last season, I think there's a good chance we'd have seen a lot more of Jack Crowley. I think uh, ben Healy suited Johan van Graan's kind of style of play far far more than Jack Crowley did, and that was probably part of the reason why we, he was relegated to third choice. So um, obviously we'll never know now, and that's kind of water under the bridge. But he's certainly making up for lost time. And um, yeah, Ross Byrne was called into camp on Monday evening, but my understanding is um, Johnny Sexton trained today Tuesday, and he's going to be doing the captain's press conference tomorrow Wednesday, which to me would suggest he is almost certainly starting unless he picks up a knock later in the week in training and I think the same applies for uh, who was it James Ryan Andrew Porter Josh van der Fleer Hugo Keenan and Jimmy O'Brien who obviously went off at the HIA so I think Ireland are going to have a very very strong hand to, to pick from this weekend and I'd be very surprised if Andy Farrell doesn't go with the tried and tested I think the big the big question is who he's going to play at 12 will he stick with Stuart McCloskey or bring Bundy Aki in back in after his suspension but I think by and large um, it's going to be you know what we'd all expect maybe someone like Max Deegan could overtake Jack Jack Conan on the bench I thought he did pretty well uh, last weekend but um, in terms of putting Jack Crowley in as a start it sounds good in theory but I just don't see it happening from the Irish coach's point of view Fair enough Luke on that number 12 position you know, Stuart McCluskey obviously had a really good start against South Africa, got injured against Fiji. He, you know, was was okay. You know, his distribution was good. They used him as a, you know, a passer a lot more than as a runner. Like, do you think he deserves to keep his place? Bundyaki coming back in after that ban, you know, what, what, what would you make of that? Coming straight back in. Yeah, no, I think McCluskey 100% has got to stay, hasn't he? I think it's a pretty bad sign to 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 the rest of the squad if you if you don't hold uh, keep him in there. And I think um I think he's worth it as well. I think he looked really good against South Africa at the start of the game. Team are also playing better, that always helps. But um yeah, he looked like he kind of simplified things a little bit in his mind in terms of playing international rugby. He kind of realized that maybe it was due to South Africa's defense, but I thought he kind of carried so strongly and he looked really really good, I think. Um stood up really well under that early South African pressure. And I think uh, I'd love to see him against Australia. I think there's plenty, like there's more, like we've, he does have great skills around him. And I think he's a guy, like I still think Robbie Henshaw is the the, the number one guy in that position. But certainly I think, um, you know, he gives you options in there. And, and I'd like to see him be, you know, be used a bit there. Because I think what you could do is if you got stuck in the World Cup, you could have Aki or you could have... Um, Henshaw 13, but you could have Gary Ring. I thought Gary Ring was at a brilliant game in the wing for Leinster a couple of weeks back. And I think, um, you know, that is an option for this team, particularly in the World Cup, if you're looking for a little bit of flexibility. I was seriously impressed by Gary Gary Ringrose on, on, on the wing. So um, having another option in the centre is, is, is no bad thing. So, um, yeah, and, and I also like what he gives you. I think he's really, he'd be nice for, for Sexton to have there. Sexton always runs nice. He, like if he's a big centre around him or a strong runner, I think it really suits his his um his game. I think he needs someone like that to, to really get the best out of himself. 
Um, and um, yeah, no, I hope to see him. I hope to see him uh, retained in the selection. Yeah, Keen, I know you were writing it about it extensively on Monday and kind of saying that you think McCluskey definitely deserves to be backed, considering especially like Bundyaki's kind of red card, his reaction to the red card, and coming back in just does not send a great message about the way he behaved in that instance. But McCluskey specifically, I personally would love to see him carry the ball a little more. Like I know he, his passing is really good, and like when he, he is good to kind of draw defenders in and if you pass it out of that you create space elsewhere but he's such a destructive carrier that if he does get another chance personally I just would love to see him truck it up a little bit more because he's just so devastating with the ball in hand as well yeah there's probably an element will of that he's trying to show exactly what Luke said that he is far more of a, a, a crash ball merchant which maybe he, he unfairly got pigeonholed and that probably maybe affected his his Ireland chances but you see the way Ulster play now him, himself and James Hume have been a key reason why they have been able to play so expansively so yeah like I think it's a huge boost to have Bundy Aki back and I'm a, a big fan but I don't think there's any harm in putting Bundy Aki on the bench for this weekend and give him 20 minutes or whatever later on I think it would send a good message you know you want to get guys to tidy up their discipline and if you're putting a guy straight back in after an eight-week ban reduced to seven because he went to tackling school when you have a guy who has done really well I would say I just don't think it would send a, a good message and that's that's kind of just that's where I stand in and I think I think Luke is right he hit the nail on the head there as well for so off for so many of others Stuart McCloskey's caps like his second and his third and maybe in his fourth he wasn't playing with Johnny Sexton or the first choice Ireland team where he looked really good against South Africa um, and like you want to see him carry more will he made a massive carry in that game had about two or three spring box on his back so um, I would love to see him playing again with Gary Ringrose at 13 outside of him and with Johnny Sexton inside of him uh, and let's see what he can do for you know more than whatever it was he last 20 odd minutes or whatever it was against South Africa so um Again, if you were to have started at the, the start of the month and said, you know, Robbie Henshaw is going to be out for the, the third game against Australia, you'd automatically kind of assume that Bundyaki will will walk back in. But I think Stuart McCloskey has done enough over the last two, a game and a half, you'd obviously have to say. And he wasn't outstanding by any means against Fiji, but I thought it was maybe a bit indicative of kind of what was going on around him. But he certainly tried and I thought his distribution, like you said, Will, was good. So I think, yeah, it would send a good message to the squad. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, he's... He deserves to be in there. He's earned his shot, you know? Just, I think McCluskey as well, like, there's a danger that he doesn't really remember, like, what he's, like, why he's kind of been picked, like, or why, what his real strength, his real strength is and his point of difference. Um, and I probably was guilty of this myself sometimes as well. You kind of forget what your real strength is, what you're really great at, and, like, running hard and, you know, that little bit of footwork with a guy his size, because he has a nice footwork too. I mean, if he can get you over the canine, that's invaluable. It doesn't have to look too flashy for him to really add value to this Irish team. So I, I, I'd probably like to see him. Um, of course, you have to be able to distribute. Like, there's no Irish player in this game plan. I think that that, that isn't... You know that that doesn't ha- that won't have to distribute well, um, and I think it's a real big part of it. But I think as well what he what he does give you is something different. Uh, he's such I pl- like I've marked the guy a few times in the center as well. Like he's awful to tackle. So um, yeah, I, I hope he kind of simplifies things and and goes to that because I think what it does then is it'll open up those other parts of his game. But I feel like he doesn't have the reputation at, at international rugby at this point um, to kind of really earn. Um, you know, people kind of really like lots of people coming in to tackle them and drawing them in, and then you know, you know, being that kind of um, that decoy, you like you really have to earn that, uh, and you have to be an unbelievable athlete, which he is. But I think you have to do that by kind of being very direct, and I think he should do that first before he thinks about the um, 
the kind of distribution side of things. Uh, just a little point on that because I think it's important for him, you know, and I think it'll allow him to play better too if he simplifies his thinking on it. Um, you know, and I think people will expect that out of him as well, and they put they they look for him more often, and they'll get him more, uh, they'll get him more um, opportunities. I think that'll suit his game. So, uh, just a thought on him there. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting you make that point about playing to your strengths because Keen, I know you were talking to Dan Sheen today, and something he said about his own rise, I thought was a really good point where he said, you know, you can work on your weaknesses and it's important, but also to work on your strengths as well because that can if you turn those into world class traits, it can really get your foot in the door. And we know what he's talking about with his kind of ball carrying, his pace, his footwork. Like obviously, maybe tidying up the throwing and the scrummaging will get him even better. But like he's really nailed the things he's very good at. To Luke's point about maybe McCluskey focusing on some of those things. Yeah, and it's probably indicative of, you know, the the new game plan that Ireland are playing. And it goes back to, to my earlier point about, you know, not forgetting what you're good at around the mall and stuff. Because while it's brilliant to be adding, you know, these more kind of nuanced subtleties to the, the overall attacking structure and stuff, it's really important, yeah, not to remember or not to forget that what you're good at. And I fully agree with Stuart McCloskey. And I think you've, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, but I think you've made this point before and on the pod that maybe, you know, at URC level, he's very good at running over lads because it's clearly a, a step down from, from test level, but he's still big enough. He's strong enough and he's well capable of, you know, bringing that kind of game to the, the test level, which he showed, like I said, with that massive carry in the South Africa game. So um, I think it's been a really positive month for him, to, apart from obviously picking up that injury, which he did magically recovered from, you know, um, which was brilliant for him because I was gutted to see him go off. But I think it would really cap off what be a hugely positive month. And, you know, for ages, you know, it was the three lads kind of battling it out for two centre spots with one on the bench. But if you're going into the Six Nations with four viable options, then that's that's a brilliant thing to have, I think, coming into the World Cup as well. Because Luke is right as well about what he said about Gary Ringrose being on the wing. But I also thought Gary Ringrose was very good at 12 against South Africa. I mean, he's just the type of guy you could put him in at scrum half, full back. He's just such a clever footballer. He kind of reminds me of like one of these soccer players who just sees things, you know, a couple of moves ahead. I think they always used to say it about Paul Scholes. Um, But he's just that kind of guy. You could put him into any position, but he was bloody good at 12 as well, I thought. Yeah, and he used to take the kicks in school as well. I remember him nailing a a touchline conversion in a senior cup final. uh, So he has that uh, in his locker as well, if need be. So we have Australia coming, Luke, this weekend to finish off the November series. And they're like, they've had a very up and down year. Australian rugby generally, I think, is struggling. It's fair to say, obviously, they lost to Italy. I'm sure everyone saw that at the weekend. A great victory for Italy, but a disastrous result for Australia. I know there were some changes made from the France fixture where they played really, really well, but they are coming Should've in. Got as, the stick at the end. Yeah, <laughs> fair they enough, are the coming in as massive pick. underdogs. Um, it's an interesting time for Australian rugby and a, and a worrying time as well. Ah, very worrying. Look, I think a lot of the chatter in South Africa is whether they joined the Six Nations. And I think even from our chat a few weeks ago, Brian Abana, you know, I said there's a lot of people that would think similarly to him and that, you know, the seasons should probably be aligned somewhat in terms of the international and the, the clubs. Now, I don't know how that works. And Jesus, like if you if you left, you know, if you left the, the if they left the rugby championship, it would really kind of leave, you know, South Africa or sorry, New Zealand and Australia and Argentina in the lurch to a certain extent, you know, and uh, would seriously take away from that competition. But uh, yeah, look, I think they're in a bad place. I think, you know, the game is struggling for eyeballs out there. It's struggling for interest. And I think, um, you know, the team being up and down hasn't really helped. And look, I think, um, 
um they're still dangerous though will like i don't think of like when i think of australian people i always think they're br- this is such a general statement but i think they're generally brilliant at sports and super super competitive they often for the population in the country they really overachieve on a world stage and there's some seriously talented people and competitive people out there so uh beware i think the the kind of wounded wallaby as such i think um that one will have hurt them badly even though they like look they sh- didn't play well and it's still a tough enough place to go over in italy but that last ditch kick i mean you, you got to get that one um so um they, they just as easy could have won that one um but um yeah expect them to bounce back a little bit on the weekend and um really put up a good fight to ireland i think yeah and the guy in his debut missing the kick as well you, you do feel from but yeah it's, mm. it's been an interesting year for them like you know obviously the new zealand game where right now made that decision that was almost a very big scab you know they beat south africa they beat argentina and argentina but they followed both of those wins up with some very poor performances they lost the summer series against England despite winning the first test. So it's been kind of one good week, one bad week. So hopefully, from their perspective, they'll be thinking maybe following Italy with a better performance. Keen, what are you expecting from Australia from what you've seen of them over the last while? Like, I do think Ireland are, are justifiably big favourites. I do think Australia will be better than maybe the handicap suggests because we saw the France game. They really played well in that fixture. But it, it's, yeah, what, what, do you, what are you thinking you're going to see at the weekend from them? It's hard to know. I would agree with everything you've said there, Will. I think their rugby championship campaign as a whole and what they've done in the Autumn Nation series so far is kind of indicative of Australian rugby over the last few years. One week up, the next week down. Um, I was just looking at the the spread there, actually, and it's 12 points, and that's a lot. I mean, and you know, we, we speak about this in terms of like France and their revival, but I think world rugby needs a strong Australia. I mean, it, it, it really does. It's not always the case, but I, I agree with what Luke said as well. They still have very, very dangerous athletes that can hurt you. Like, I mean, you look at him, um, I know you mentioned this to Will earlier in the week, but someone like Will Skelton, who, you know, has caused so much damage to Leinster teams over the years. I was on the at the Australian press conference today and Nick White and Bernard Foley were both up. So you'd imagine they're going to be coming back into the team starting two very experienced um, halfbacks. Obviously, Foley coming back in, I think it was three years out in the cold. He came back in for the rugby championship. So um, they'll, add, they'll add a bit as well. I'm not saying they're, they're world beaters by any means, but they've got some big, big uh, forwards in that pack as well. So uh, I don't think there'll be any pushovers either, but you'd imagine there'll be a, a response from Ireland because even... At the press conference today, we were chatting to Mac Hansen and, you know, it's going to be a really obviously kind of special occasion for him getting to play against Australia this weekend. But he was saying the review into the Fiji game behind the scenes was pretty harsh. So everything that we saw uh, Andy Farrell saying was was replicated behind the scenes as well. So you'd imagine Ireland are going to have a big response, aren't they going to to try and replicate the 12 home wins that Ireland achieved back in 2018 under that brilliant season with Joe Schmidt as well. So there's plenty at stake and Ireland definitely don't want to finish, I think, um, what has been a a really good year on a disappointing note. And I think as much as you'd expect a response from Ireland, Luke is right for a wounded Wallabies coming to Dublin, you'd imagine that they'll they'll be one desperate actually to, to bounce back from even though they made loads of changes, a shocking defeat to Italy, who has to be should give Italy their credit though, to be fair. They are they are pulling out some good results, but um you'd imagine there'd be some sort of backlash. But Ireland are probably, I would agree with you, will justifiable favourites. Yeah, Luke, the, the, I am looking forward to seeing Will Skelton uh, and how Ireland go about dealing with them. It, it's funny, like <laughs> For, for a non kind of like, you know, out half or back row to exert such a huge influence on some of these key games is really a testament to like to how good he is and how much of an impact he had in all those big victories over Leinster. I suppose he won't have the backup that he had with Saracens and with La Rochelle. He'll probably be going it more 
on his own in this case as, as the big power player in that pack. But like, are you interested to see if Ireland can kind of negate him more effectively than Leinster were able to? Yeah, I think so. It's it's important that they kind of manage it well. Like, I think it's what's really important to recognize that someone like him is, and I, I kind of feel like I've never broken record on this one, but I don't think you're going to win a physical battle with him. But I think what you can do is you can win where the physical battle happens. And I think Leinster lost out on a couple of occasions to him in that respect. I think you need to make sure you're up off the line and making sure that that collision happens in front of that gain line and making sure that, yes, if he, get, like, you know, if he runs over the top of you, which is highly likely, He's still the team. The, the team that he's playing for doesn't get the momentum, and that's really, really important when managing him. Um, I just in terms of the positional stuff. I mean, I can't think of many, many like. I mean, uh, second row to my mind is is one of the most important positions on the pitch. They're generally calling the lineouts. I think it's one of the most influential pit, uh, positions on the pitch. Can't think of any great team that's won a World Cup that hasn't had two absolutely outstanding second rows or or a second row as their captain. I mean, Etzebet, to me, uh, he is on fire at the moment. I mean, he was unbelievable against France, I thought, in the weekend. And he was unbelievable against Ireland. I mean, Rassi Rasmus was, was... I mean, that break he made, like, that was after 70 minutes of, like, kicking the crap out of Ireland. Um... And he was a nightmare to deal with. But uh, Will Skelton can be that guy too. Uh, probably not as good as Etzebeth. Certainly not as fit. But geez, he's he's very, very impressive. And he could be a fulcrum for this Aussie team. And as you said, you know, <laughs> Leinster and Ireland will have kind of nightmares. Sorry, Leinster will have kind of nightmares of him. Um, and you can build around someone like him when you're under pressure. And Ireland, with the, that weight of expectation, um, you know, we haven't always been that great at delivering, uh, I think, when the, when the, the expectation is high for us. So, big challenge for us on, on a few different fronts and certainly dealing with him I, I i expect them to do it well i think um you know i think they're i think ireland will have and leinster will have kind of those leinster players that have maybe have him etched in their memory well i think what they'll have learned from the last couple of occasions uh, playing him and i think yeah i expect them to deal with to deal with him well um yeah, but he is certainly something that you'd be thinking. He's a factor. He's definitely a factor, isn't he? Like, um, yeah. And I mean, I think for the scrum as well. I mean, I don't think it's a. I'm not sure how strong the Aussie scrum is, but I think you know Ireland. That weight behind him. I mean, he's always going to be. He's always going to pose problems if you've got a good. Uh, if you've got a good reason to be good front row uh, that that scrummage, you know. So that's another thing possibly to think of too. It, it's another big test for James Ryan, who I think is playing brilliant rugby, almost back to back to his best because he's gone back to doing what he's really good at. And I I think I've made this point before with you lads, but um, in the summer when you know Sam Whitelock got kind of got one over in Ireland, but one over in James Ryan in the first test, and he missed the second test, but then he came back for the third test, and Ryan was outstanding again in that third test. And I felt like that was a massive confidence boost for James Ryan. I think similarly, if he can get one over and if Ardy can get one over on Will Skelton, you'd put a lot. I think you'd banish a lot of personal demons because I'd imagine James Ryan, when he goes to sleep on Friday night, will probably be seeing Will Skelton, but he doesn't want to be seeing him on Saturday night when he's going to sleep as well. So um, I think if, yeah, if he can get one over on him, it would be massive, massive going forward because, like I said, I think I think James Ryan is playing super ropey. And interestingly, Ian Henderson sounds like he's... um close to a comeback but I actually think uh, James Ryan and Tyke Byrne have formed a really strong uh, second row pairing and like Ian Henderson is such a big game player but again it's a great position to be in for Ireland now that they have a settled a settled combination with a guy like Henderson to come back into the mix at some point too. 
Yeah, it's funny just on Skelton, like for as good as he's been at club level, like his international career still really hasn't taken off. He's only had 23 caps and that Italy game was his first Australian start in six years as well. So he's really been kind of out in the cold given he's been playing in Europe. So it's actually a pretty big game for himself as well. It's not just Ireland trying to negate him. He'll want to go out and have as big an impact as he can because he needs to get back into kind of Australian reckoning ahead of that World Cup. Luke, I suppose one of the big kind of news items this week was the World Player of the Year nominations. Johnny Sexton gets his third nomination, joins a list that I totted up earlier of David Pocock, Owen Farrell, Bowden Barrett, Maro Atoje, Brian O'Driscoll, Dan Carter, and Richie McCaw. have three nominations or more, which is a pretty impressive list to be on. And Josh van der Fleer as well, nominated too, alongside Lucano Am and Antoine Dupont. Uh, testament to how good the two lads have been this year to be in such uh, illustrious company. But, you know, a good chance one of them could win it as well think so yeah i mean particularly i think josh van der fleer to my mind has stood out i think he, he was unbelievable he made a man of the match performances he had in the year uh he certainly has to be in the mix um i wonder does am's injury maybe rule him out of possibly getting it maybe it does maybe it doesn't actually he is like he's a serious player too um and uh, i mean look johnny said johnny's the big name there isn't he like he is like he's such a big name in world rugby i think at this stage uh, well deserved it'd be hard to see one of them not going close uh, my, my i might be tipping actually josh van der fleer i just don't know if he's got the weight behind his name in terms of the voting but i think in terms of the performances like i think he might even edge johnny who has certainly been brilliant as well but i just think he was so consistently good and he's he's come on so much hasn't he like from he was a really good player but i think he's really that attacking part of his game it'd be great it'd be really nice to see someone who's put in so much hard work behind the scenes um, and actually have the belief to deliver on all the hard work at, you know, consistently at the top level um, nab an award like that. So um, it'd be one for the kind of the good guys, if you like. Um, so yeah, no, no, he's, he's such a, no, he is such a, he's such a good lad. Honestly, he's a great fella. So um, yeah, we watch that space with interest and it's great. To, look, I think it's a testament to how well Ireland have played. He is Irish, Irish rugby's, you know, capital letters, good guy, I think. Even from a media point of view, I don't think he has a bad bone in his body. No, he's a great lad. Isn't he? He's a really nice fella, yeah. Really hard worker as well. But he, you know, he must have massive confidence as well. Like he's a, it's it just, he's the, he's the real embodiment of someone who has, you know, who, who is extremely humble. I really, I genuinely think he's a really humble guy, but he, you can you can be that and you can believe that you know you can believe that about yourself and still have massive confidence in your abilities and be super confident um in in whatever your respective field is he's he's perfect for that isn't he he's a real I, I think he's the perfect guy to hold up and say look this this is what you can achieve and you don't have to be like look at all the stuff with ronaldo uh, today you know it's you know that's the one of the best soccer players ever you know but like if you look at uh, Josh van der Fleer who's now voted into our you know one of our best players of the year in the world like the difference in how humble the attitude is and what a team player uh, van der Fleer is so um yeah great to see him get get the vote well Josh van der Fleer has already won european player of the year rugby riders player of the year and i think irish players player of the year so it'll be some clean sweep if he was to win that in Monaco next weekend. And it's a nice chunk at the Monaco as well, if even if they don't win. Uh, Keen, just to finish up, you know, France South Africa last weekend was an absolute belter. You know, obviously the fallout, the, two weeks in a row, we've been talking about Rosie Rasmus as well. But just for the game, first and foremost, you know, it's a real nice taster of what we could expect in the World Cup next year on that kind of side of the draw. There's so many good teams there. But like, what did you take away from it? It looked incredible. I mean, the Stad Velodrome is an 
unbelievable place to watch rugby. It was Champions Cup final was on there this year, and okay, it wasn't at night, but the French, I, I, you know, they obviously have the World Cup in mind, but bloody hell, they put on a serious show in terms of the Rasmus has around it. Like it looked savage, like didn't it? Um, so yeah, like it, it lived up to the billing in terms of the game. I think it had everything that we we expected. I don't think France um, are hitting their straps by by any means. Obviously, they took the. Essentially, they took the summer off, or at least their frontline players did. But um, to come have come away from a win was from that was absolutely massive. I know, obviously, South Africa had Peter Steff, Dutoy sent off, and Dupont got sent off then. But we thought like the Ireland, the Ireland South Africa game was physical. This was probably on you know another level. You'd have to say the amount of like in in the first half alone, I think there was like four or five changes, lads forced off. So. Um, I think France still have plenty more in the tank, which is probably a worrying thing. I think their their attack, I don't think, is firing on all cylinders. But um, yeah, it was it was it was bloody impressive. But South Africa are in kind of a weird spot at the moment. I don't think they'll be panicking, although you wouldn't know it from their director of rugby, who seems to just have lost his head altogether. I mean, like. I, I find it hard to know. I, I find it. I'm, I kind of flip myself between what I think of it. Okay, like it's it's bad for the game and all that, but it's bloody entertaining as well. Like, really, isn't it? I know it's not kind of what you want to see, but what's just going on? And like some of the clips he was using, you were just like, come on. Same with the in the Ireland game when he put up the clip of Dan Sheehan kicking the ball out of the rock, and then you know Dan Sheehan's getting neck rolled by Khaleesi. There was same. There was indiscrepancies in the clips he was showing from the France game as well. So uh, he's just kind of lost his head with it. And I think it's going to. I think you can see on Twitter as well. There's a lot of South Africans are kind of you know just not really impressed by it, and he's clearly doing it to put pressure on the refs which he came out today and said that's absolutely not what he's doing because if you read his language he can't create the narrative that you know comes off the back of it which was classic rassy kind of stuff but um yeah i think they're in a they're in a strange spot i you know two two defeats in a row now and they're playing italy isn't it um this weekend high flying italy who are going to try and beat south africa and australia two weeks in a row but as a spectacle, I thought it. You're right, Will. It was a real kind of taster of what's to come at the World Cup because it felt like almost a, a World Cup knockout game. I thought it was incredible, incredible spectacle. Yeah, Luke, it's a funny one with South Africa. Like as Keen mentioned, lost two weeks in a row. But if I'm a South African supporter, I'm actually feeling very good about where the team is. I like they got a man sent off very early on against France. Still had lots of chances to win. A few calls did go, didn't go their way. France were at home; their tails were up, and they still South Africa still probably could have won against Ireland. Obviously, the kicking woes we discussed last week. I just think you know they have the forward power. They have a lot of depth. They've made some selection decisions that probably haven't worked out. But I still think they're actually in a really strong position. And even though they've lost both games, I wouldn't be panicking at all if I was them. I think they're in a very good place. What do you think of that? Yeah, agreed. I think they look. Re- I mean, sure. Look, if they picked a guy who, kick, who could kick against Ireland, I think they would have beaten us. Um, you know, and I think uh, it was good that they stuck with Willem. So I, I actually like. Look, he looks like a serious rugby player, but probably a guy stuck for for a kind of specialist position. I just think can't play ten if you're not if you if you're kicking out of hand is that suspect, and you can't kick on the ground. Like, look, they got away with it. They kicked brilliantly. Uh, all, all the all the respective people who, who yeah, kicked when Bath the clerk was slotting all these kicks, I was just like, Probably why didn't they have him on the field? Colby as well, like is there anything Colby can't do? But anyway, look, they 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 learned loads about themselves. I mean, I think they can hang in there with the best uh, with the best teams in the world. Um, you know, with only seven guys, 
in their back. Like that's pretty impressive, I think. And like Dehoy is some player as well. He's not like an average player that you're going to lose out of your pack. Like he's world class. So they still look uh, and competed brilliantly. So yeah, I'd be I'd be very um, encouraged if I was them. Less encouraged by again that stuff that Keen mentioned with Rassi Erasmus. I don't know. Like he seems to have lost the plot. And then he kind of come out with these silly excuses. Um, I don't know if he thinks we're all halfwits. I'm not sure. Like it's bizarre. Um, I, I don't know. Like it's um, it's really weird kind of behavior. Like and I and I think it's actually counterproductive for them. I think it's fo- there. There's there. It seems to me like they're placing focus in the wrong areas. I still think they need to improve on a few things. Um, you know, I, I would think that um, they they look like they're running out of ideas a little bit quickly to me. Uh, in their attack uh, and I think that they haven't been able to I think they've got a huge threat outside and I don't think they're utilizing enough is probably what I'm getting at I'm probably not saying it very well but I think that's that's a concern for me like I think Am probably helps him a lot there I think he gives him a distribution at the in, in the center and also I think an out and out 10 if it's Pollard there you'd hope uh, from their perspective I think he's their best guy um Janchi's a big loss but I think Pollard is the guy for them if he's playing for them I think they look like a different outfit and Am as well those two guys um when you combine them with that pack and the outside talent um geez like I, they're they'd be brilliant like, they kind of look like a really complete team and I think no one will want to come up against them in, in in knockout rugby I think they've got a big game mentality and I think they're um yeah, they're just a nightmare. Like they're they're kind of they're pretty good at everything, and that defense when it's on song is really suffocating. Um, personally, I, I still think we saw the two best teams in the world slug it out. Um, you know, I think I still think they're just a little bit ahead. I know Ireland beat them, but I just think, um, I think South Africa. I think France are probably still slightly ahead of us, and I also think South Africa are just slightly ahead. I think if they picked a kicker against us, they beat us. So, um, it was it was interesting to watch that. And um, I think South Africa looked very formidable. They they tried to play a little bit more, didn't they, lads? Um, South Africa at the weekend, like they were running the ball from deeper. The, you know, Willie Leroux was like Willie Leroux, yeah. Up. I think Willie Leroux is a big yeah. part of playing that. Even when he came on against Ireland, I thought he really got mm. them moving a lot better as well. Yeah, he yeah, just but they still like they still kicked a lot though. I thought they, the box kicking was pretty relentless. Now look, both teams kicked it a lot. In fairness, Keen, I don't know if that was a tactic from both teams. They both look kind of cagey, but I mean. I still feel like they're kicking an awful lot in positions where I'm kind of saying, mm, maybe you should take a chance and hang on to it here. Yeah, they're, they're definitely similar styles, but I did think there was more signs than we have seen in the past of South Africa looking to play ball. Willie LaRue is such an interesting one. He just seems like in South Africa, for some reason, he's unfashionable or something. But I agree with you, Will. I thought he made a big difference when he came on. He created that try out wide. Um, and yeah, his kicking game is very useful. It's also the left foot kicking option in, in the backfield, which we've seen how important that is to, to Ireland over the years, in the last couple of years in particular. But um, yeah, like you know what you're going to get and there's no way by the time the World Cup comes around this time next year that South Africa are going to have moved away from what serves them so well. But I thought it was interesting that they're looking to add a few more kind of tweaks to, to their game plan but i don't think yeah like i said by the time they come in france that they're going to be this all singing all dancing uh team which which is a shame when you look at the firepower that they have out wide um you know i don't think the colby thing worked um as a fullback against ireland i thought he was good um in marseille the other night i think he's far more effective uh on the wing personally and i think willie Leroux at fullback gives you a lot more so maybe they'll go back to that kind of... Well, they have, I think, for this weekend, but maybe going forward, I think they'll probably go back to the the back three that served them so well at the last World Cup. Yeah, well, one weekend to go for Ireland in the Autumn Series. We still have so much to play for Australia this weekend. I'd like to thank Keen and Luke for joining me tonight. 
I will be back on Thursday with a podcast with Rory O'Connor looking at the Irish team selection for that Australia game. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and please rate and review us there. So until Thursday, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.